0: Hey everyone, this is, (laughs) I'm Leah Duhon with Richard Diaz. We are the Natural Running Network podcast. And today we are going to talk about trail running specifically, kind of like the difference between trail running and road running, why you could benefit from adding in some trail running. And if you are only doing trail running, what you might be missing out on, stuff like that. So we're just gonna kind of pick Richard's brain and see what he has to say on the matter.
1: I don't know why, but I'm compelled to do like a double bicep. But I think I'm stuck up in this little block, so I, it won't work. So it's just not going to happen.
0: Your accent, Tennessee right. accent's coming through. I'm telling you,
1: <laughs> man, you know, you got to be careful around here. You can't let them know where you come from. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. They do not want to. Some people
0: anything. are probably really confused, but Richard is in Tennessee right now. So. And I
1: ain't leaving either. I'm here. This is not a visit. This is a, a change of life. I'm here, and you, you may notice that I'm starting to take up some of the dialect, <laughs> some of the, some of the, uh, what do you call it, enunciations? What, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking yeah.
0: for? pronunciations, enunciations. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, whatever it is, it's obviously very <laughs> contagious.
1: <laughs> yeah, I told my wife, I said, you know, before the week's out, you're going to be talking, you know, like a hillbilly, and she's like, no, I'm, no, I'm not. <laughs> No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, what you talking
0: about? Well, perfect.
1: Yeah, that's fun. But you know, these people are so nice, and it's really, it's really a pleasure being down here. I got to tell you, and I'm, I'm enjoying it already. I just that's don't awesome. care for that's this awesome. apartment. I, I got to be honest. I want to get the hell out of here as soon as I can. And I just found a house that looked pretty entertaining to me. I just got to pass it by the War Department when she gets back from cool. what I'm doing right now. Yeah, that's good. It's, the, it's just the area. You know, it's got to get past the area thing. Because, like, right where we are right yeah. now is perfect. I mean, I mean mm. it's like a mile and a half to, to a place to train. It's like three-quarters of a mile to about five or six different restaurants. It's like a mile. So
0: you're kind of like in the city then. Franklin, you said? Uh,
1: well, no. Franklin's a little town. Oh. I mean, the heart of Franklin oh. is this little, sweet little town. And it's sweet. cool. I mean, it's like surrounded by Civil War stuff. You know, all the battles that you know went down are still historic uh you know situations going on yeah. there. You can, but uh, cool little restaurants. It's nice, it's a quaint little town. They got like cannons in the <laughs> middle of town. You know from the Civil War. <laughs> Seriously, but That's uh, cool. I'm just That's down in street. Like, cool Springs, I think it's called. But there's just a hub. I'm talking Costco a mile and a half away, Target a mile and a half away, um, Sprouts two miles away. Everything you need right here. But I got to tell you, when we move, it ain't gonna be like that. Mm. And I'm not gonna wear you out with this, but you know since we're talking about it. I had been looking at this house on Zillow for uh, a month, but I thought, man, as soon as I get there, I'm going to go check this out because this looks like where I want to be. And Zillow, these people are criminal. I'm just going to put it out there in the cosmos. You look at a picture <laughs> of Curtin and Zillow, it ain't going to be nothing like that. It ain't going to be nothing. It's, I don't even know how they do it. I mean, it's magical how they do it. By the way, if you go Real, on Zillow right photographers now, photographers
0: are crazy. <laughs>
1: if you go on Zillow right now and look at my house after it's sold, it looks like you just arrived in a five-star resort, and and a, you know, legitimately, it, you know, it did. And so. But, I was going to say, you have a nice house. So. But so, had had a you know had. what's funny? Oh my God. The people that bought it sent us pictures of their grandkids playing in the pool with the dog and all that. They're like, oh, my God, we're in heaven. You know, kids are just going crazy. It's awesome. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm in an apartment. What did I do? What did I do? All right, so we're going to, uh, okay, so where I was going to go with this is like, I, PJ and I get in the car, you know, punch in the damn address and start heading out to the, I knew it was going to be off rural. I knew that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was cool with it. You know, I'm like, okay, it's going to be relatively close. If it's 20 minutes or so, 15 minutes of town, we're good. So I go out there. Well, we get out there and it's getting rural. rural -er. And then, you know, I'm following it and it's like, turn here, turn there, turn here, all these farms and, you know, horses and stuff. And then, you know, turn here and then it gets to this place that's dead end and it's still pointing me to go down that way. So, I go down the dead end, and at the end of the dead end, where it's paved, is a gravel road. And the gravel road is the drive to get to the house. And that's about, uh, I think it was about 200 yards to get down the gravel road to the house. And it didn't look anything like what it looks like in the pictures. <laughs> and they did not show you the gravel road or of not. The house. I mean, I think Jesse James hung out there when he was hiding. You know what I mean? Because that was a great place to hide. (laughs) Or, you know, it's too nice of a place to be a crack house. But, you know, if you're going to cook some dope or plant some or murder somebody, perfect location. (laughs) Perfect location. (laughs) That, oh, that, that was kind of hurt my heart to see that, but it, yeah, is it is. All right, so let's, talk, let's talk about trails and let's talk about roads and that kind of thing.
0: All right, so the main thing I'm... Oh, go for it. No, go
1: it ahead. I like think you're gonna say something. I was, but go okay.
0: ahead. Yeah, the main thing <laughs> that I wanna like, cause I love trail running and I that's kind of how I got into running in the first place was I always hated running on the roads and stuff. It would just bore me to death and then I would get like super depressed and like, oh, I hate this, this is miserable. So it felt super hard. But then I started trail running and I really enjoyed it. So that's why I started doing like Spartans and all that. It was really only to trail run. I hated road running. So my question is, are there any downsides to only trail running? And are you missing out on anything that you, you should be getting from running? And basically, is there any reason that you shouldn't just trail run if you're 100% trail runner? Good
1: question. So, um... Before I allowed you to throw that out to me, I I was gonna go there already, but let's let's just do this. Let's start with, forget about the trail or the road. Let's just think about interface with surface. So when we are moving our way down the road, there is interaction between our feet and the surface of the road or trail or whatever it is we're running on. And there's an adaptive process that takes place. So let's say, like in your case, you like to be on trail and you spend a lot of time on trail. It would not be wise to transition to road periodically because okay. your body's adapting to the type of surfaces that you're accustomed to running on. And if you are always you know, changing up, okay, Wednesday we're gonna go run really far on the road, Thursday we're gonna go do some hills on the on the trail, whatever. There's a lot of information that's being tossed at your body, and it could very well end up badly. So I find this to be the case with a lot of people I work with. For example, DIM, which is the California International Marathon, just went off this past weekend. And I had a few people that I work with that were training for it. And the one fellow in particular that's on my mind had been training OCR trail, ultra trail, you know, trail, 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 zero road. And he wanted early on, knowing that down the road he's going to, ah, down the road. He, he knowing okay. that he was planning for this event that he thought, maybe I should kind of like every now and then go on the road and whatever. I said, no, just hold up. Let's go ahead and finish up your business on trail. And then now we have about a clear seven, eight weeks to prepare for the marathon. Now, mind you, he had been doing a lot of work because we've been doing ultras. So conditioning to the endurance and the stamina that's required to go along, he was already pretty much, that that part of the thing was working out really well. But he's not conditioned to that specific type of surface. He's more Mm -hmm. conditioned to a particular type of surface, which in his case was trail, uh, up and down mountains, things like this. And so you would think it would be easier just to, you know, navigate towards uh, road after being on trail for so long. Um, But in fact, that change in surface kind of throws, you know, throws your feet for a loop, I guess. Let me just say that. And so um, you need to be very careful how you approach it. Because the other consideration is the type of shoe you use when you go away from trail to road has its own influences that you have to adapt to. Uh, some people will feel like, well, I'm going to be on a lot of ruddy road or ruddy trail and whatever, so I need a lot of cushion between, p- between me and the ground, which is a real bad idea, by the way. Um, and I have long preached to, to people that if you're going to go from road to trail or what, whatever, make sure at least that the type of shoe you run in has very similar uh, aspects to it. So in other words... If you're on a zero drop shoe for the road, you need to be on a zero drop shoe for the trail. You don't want to go from you know a high stack height or a differential that's pretty severe from heel to forefoot, and, and I see people do this all the time. And this 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 is just adding to the problem, which is uh, adaptation to the type of surfaces and shoe that you're running in. And so I see injuries come about from this. And a lot of people are just kind of fogged over by it. They don't even know why or how this all came about. You know, they're just like, yeah, everything was cool. And all of a sudden, you know, I start having this plantar fasciitis or Achilles tendonitis or, you know, my calves start barking at me or, you know, they have something that comes up and it's kind of mysterious to them. They're not connecting the dots. They're not seeing that, wow, I was wearing this kind of shoe and I shouldn't have changed to that kind of shoe so, so radically, or I was on this type of surface and then I went to that type of surface so radically. So what I try to do with people I work with is we make some decisions. If your game is trail, let's stay on that trail. Let's just stay on that trail as as often as much as we possibly can. Um, And at least, if nothing else, make sure the type of shoe you're in is very consistent between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that might be difficult for people. The, The next question might be, well, what about a treadmill? So you know, I've been running trail, but the weather just turned on me. Now it's really nasty out there, so I'm kind of coming in the house. Well, you're going to go, come in the house. Um, you want to adapt. You, you want to give yourself an up to. You wouldn't, for example, let's say you're running 50 miles a week on the trail, and you want to carry that 50 miles onto the treadmill. That's probably not going to end well. So you mm-hmm. probably want to work your way up to volume again as you adapt to that new surface. And the same thing would apply in transitioning from road to trail. So
0: that's a really interesting point because, like, I feel like that is the most common scenario. Actually, like, that's really the only reason I ever started running on a treadmill or the road was because all my trails would be closed <laughs> when it rain. So that's honestly super common. So people pay attention to that. So yeah, well, don't I'm just kind of, go for I, 50 trail miles. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, I, by the way, change changing the type of shoe you're in, that also by itself is a problem. If you're like, let's just say that, you know, you've been sitting all along with that funny looking shoe, and then somebody, you know, you listen to me on a podcast one day, and then you get into something more neutral, more flat, you know, zero drop, and, you know, closer to the ground and all that kind of stuff, and you were running 50 miles a week, and you thought, oh yeah, well, you know what, today was the day I was gonna run that 12 miler, so I'll just put them new shoes on, they're supposed to be better anyway, and zip off you go, and you come home and you're jacked up, right? Because you're not conditioned you not adapted to that new type of surface and, and circumstance that you put yourself in. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's all about adaptations. And let's start, let's, okay. let's even back way up, and let's talk about what's going on with your feet. Right? I had this conversation, uh, by the way, uh, a couple people that we know, and I, I'll only throw one of them under the bus, okay, because I'm comfortable. <laughs> with um, we were talking about downhill running on trail and how, you know, the argument was, dude, I, I have to have a little bit more under my foot when I go down these hills, you know, and, and because, you know, it just wrecks my feet. So the problem isn't the shoe. The problem is you're not conditioned to that type of training. You're not mm-hmm. conditioned to handle, you know, I mean, and, you know, we, we as a society in, in the States or, you know, probably in Europe, we got fluffy pink little feet, they're very, very uncontrolled or unconditioned to the surfaces that exist because we're always wearing shoes. We're always, you know, um, con- con- protecting ourselves from surfaces, right? And so your feet get weak, right? And so it's like taking, uh, taking an amateur boxer and throwing him in the ring with, a, a, you know, a prize fighter you know, a world champion. And he just starts to beat you to death. And you thought you had it going on, and he starts wrecking you, man, because <laughs> he's conditioned. And, you know, you hit this guy in the stomach, and he just smiles at you, right? Because he's, you know, oh, I could take it. I've been The dude with a stick has been hitting me in the belly, you know, 50,000 times every Thursday to condition my abdominal muscles to take that hit. Look at, uh, look at uh, I saw a study on uh, UFC fighters. You know, their bodies are so well conditioned to the beatings they take that, that we look at it as you know as observers and go, oh man oh man and he's gonna get up tomorrow and do it again he's just he's that well conditioned to that type of thing so and it's kind of a stretch uh, analogy but the point of the matter is is that let's start with the feet let's condition the feet and so that you are more again the guy was gonna throw in the, of the bus was vj no. We had this conversation just two days ago, right? And I said, you know, the problem is, is you just you're just not conditioned. Your, your feet are not ready to do the things you're asking them to do. But let me offer you this. If you were to be in a much more um, um, neutral shoe, and when I say neutral, one that's not getting in your way. All right, that's what I'm trying to say. Something that's not trying to influence you. It's allowing you to do the things that you want to do unbridled. Not trying to control your contact with the ground by putting that pillow underneath there. Uh, or, you know, steel shanks or, you know, not steel, this carbon's usually what they use these days. But the point is, is that don't rely on the shoe to protect you. I take that back. You want the shoe to protect you, but you don't want it to over influence you. And that's what's going on. So if you're in a shoe that you're trained to work in that's more uh, neutral as I suggested, your reaction time to the ground is gonna be far better. You're gonna be more agile. You're gonna avoid the things that you need to avoid versus just trying to roll through it with those big cushions and hoping that it's all gonna work out. That's how you jack well, up. Well,
0: I think kind of what you're saying too is like protect your foot from injuries and cuts and scrap, things like that. Don't try to use the shoe to protect your joints and your body and oh, my knees are hurting when I run down hills. Okay, I build up my shoe bigger. No, like that's basically bad what move. you're saying. That Not that kind of protection.
1: <laughs> no, it's a bad move. It's, a, it's just a bad move. And incidentally, it's a false sense of security. I'll give, you, I'll give you another one better And on the same thread, but you know, kind of, you know me, I go off on the tennis. Uh Look at guys that put on a, a weight belt in the gym to lift heavy. Mm -hmm. That belt does not protect your back. It does not protect your spine. What it does is it closes down in your viscera. You have this uh, between your diaphragm and your pelvic floor is the viscera that's like a a gut ball and it it presses against the, the belt and presses against your spine and stabilizes you a little bit more to lift more weight. So, you know, the other analogy I was going to use is people that wrap their knees when they lift heavy. They Mm -hmm. just go crazy wrapping their knees up. They get better lift because they spring out of the the joint better because of all that uh, constriction. But it doesn't protect your knees. So all these false sense of uh, securities that we live by uh, are really a mistake. I used to believe in, you know, I, I spend a ton of time training people in the gym, believe it or not. And uh, if you, my attitude was if you could not lift the weight without the belt, it's too heavy for you. If you can't lift the weight without having to bind your knees, it's too heavy for you. You're putting yourself in a compromised situation scenario you just want to be careful with that now if you're a power lifter and your whole goal is to make sure you get that extra 5 pounds or 2.5 kilos up off you know to to win a competition and that cheat by putting the belt on and the knees wrap and all that kind of stuff will get you that lift I understand but from a standpoint of how your body fares with extra load um, Mm -hmm. I think it's something you want to think through and so yeah that kind of makes
0: sense too for running it's almost like like you know in that sense like oh lift heavier weight think run fast downhill. Oh, but if I have the more built-up shoes, I can run so much faster downhill. Yeah, but you're basically cheating so you aren't running correctly. The sh- all the shoes are doing is making it so you can run incorrectly without <coughs> feeling the pain while you're running. So like that, that, I think that translates really well into the shoes and the running, especially well, so,
1: so the other thing, you know, on the same thread is that you have this sense of, uh, of confidence because you have that pillow, right? The pillow is going to save me when I go dashing down this hill. And from the standpoint of your foot contacting the earth, to some degree, you don't feel the ground, which is, you know, that sense of security you're looking at. But it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not that. And I've, I made this analogy a million times. I'm going to go down that road again. Okay. It's cushy shoes are like I punch you in the face and then you duck, right? Mm-hmm. A more neutral, low-profile zero-drop shoe is when you go to punch me, I'm going to move. <laughs> I'm gonna get out of the way. I do not want to get Mm -hmm. punched in the face. But the reaction time is better. So you start to dance and jive and move and everything works out for you. And because you're getting that information. So there's, and we've beat this before and I'm gonna beat it again, is that you've got about 100,000 mechanoreceptors in the front of your feet that are communicating with your central nervous system to tell your body which muscles need to contract, when they should contract, and how forcefully they should contract in order for you to be in a better place mechanically from a standpoint of stability and safety. And so when you start getting further away from the ground, that information gets lost. And then you're just taking the hit and then react, taking the hit, then react. If you take a lot of bad hits, then you start slowing down, right? Mm -hmm. But having the information come to you quickly, your reaction time is going to be far better. Uh, And not not just getting out of the way, but learning to uh, um, do what needs to be done when you face that pending doom so when you're starting to land on rocks your brain says these are rocks here's the way we need to deal with it where if you're landing on a, a mattress you're, you're just going down the hill done. And until one of those rocks is just a little more than you need it and you've got a problem so um, that's kind of where I think it all goes
0: um yeah I like that I think that yeah really answers the question especially about if someone is kind of switching between road and trail because I know a lot of us we're tra- might be training for Spartan and we might be training for all the Spartan sprints so which would include a stadium so we don't just want to run on trails and we do want to mix it up so if you're gonna mix it up make sure you're using similar shoes especially don't build them up too much if you're doing on trails thinking oh I'm gonna protect my feet it doesn't really protect your feet it just puts you less in touch with the ground um, the only time I've ever sprained my ankle, I think, running in trails was I had my built-up shoes, which I didn't usually wear, and I wore them on trails, and I just couldn't feel it, and I just slipped on the rocks.
1: So, so yeah, so let me give you just another another little thought process to, to wrap your head around. Um, mm-hmm. in in training, when you regardless of what type of training you're going to do, when you're training your body. The cardinal rule as a trainer should be to start from simple to complex movement patterns, right? Before you concern yourself with trying to do something on one leg, you better be able to do it at least on two, right? So complex, just, you know, I'm trying to trying to make the point. And yeah. um, when you, the, the benefit of being on a treadmill, the benefit of being on a paved row is that it's very, very consistent. You know, you're, you're not going to have a rut in the, in the belt or the road, most likely, that you have to contend with. And so there's a consistency of process that allows you to not be so much focused on, you know, the dangers of this downhill or climbing and what roots and rocks and whatever. So you can just focus on the way you're moving. So let's call that a simple movement pattern. It's a little bit less complicated for your head to, to, to absorb. And so you can really build on your capacity to run well on a treadmill or road. And you can take those skills and they will translate to the trail. You're going to be a little bit more adept in the way you're moving, and you're going to to understand how to move, and you're just going to try to adapt those skills to the more complicated terrains that would happen on a trail. So there's value in transitioning, um, but you just don't want to throw it all kittywampus. You don't want to just like, one day I'm going to go climb this mountain, two two days later I'm going to go try to run a half marathon on, on a pavement because you're just throwing a lot of curves at your body. You want your body to, you know, have a chance to figure things out. And odds are you'll be, you know, far and far away better off when it comes to injuries, far and away better off when it comes to, you know, improving your performance. Because...
0: That it- was actually one of my big questions for you was, yeah, what are, what could you be missing out on by just running trails? And I think that's huge what you just said. You're basically so focused on trying to get over all the rocks and all these things, you're not focused on your form and getting that perfect like, cadence and getting the actual, the skill of running, you know, while well, you're just reacting to things the whole time. So that would be a huge reason why you should throw in road running or start with road running <laughs> make sure you build up those correct like skill pathways in your body before you go all trail it can prepare you and we
1: and we do this in other sports we just don't we just don't compare them we don't think about what we mm-hmm. don't do to prepare for the task in running as much as we might in another sport so again let me give you some ignorant analogies right so a golfer goes to a golf range And his whole focus in that golf range is to blast that ball as far as he can. There's no sand pits, there's no trees in the way, you know, there's no dog leg. There's all this, just hit the ball, bam. And his focus is how well he can just slam that ball, right? Same thing with Mm -hmm. baseball go to a batting cage. That's
0: the, what I was thinking of when yeah, you were saying well, that golf. Like, oh, it's yeah, exactly that's the, the same thing. It's
1: like uh, the, the the ball thrower in a batting cage has one task: is just toss that ball at you. You can maybe control how fast. Uh, I don't even know. Maybe you can make make it throw a curveball at you. You know, but it's wholly different than someone that is looking at you and deciding what you need to deal with for you to have a strike. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. he's trying to make it so you can't hit it. And the ball thrower is not doing that. It's just throwing the ball for you to hit it. Right. And you know what your focus is when you're in a batting cage and golfing? I could probably think of another sport is the sweet spot. You want to hit that ball on the sweet spot of the bat. You want to hit that golf ball on the sweet spot of the club because that's what's going to drive it, right? And so, in running, far too many people don't give consideration to the way they land. And putting their foot on the ground at the right position, let's refer to that also as the sweet spot. And so, in order to get greater purchase from the ground, you need to find that sweet spot every step you take in your run. And so, again, going back to the concept of simple to complex. On that treadmill, it's rate independent, it's not going to change speed. It's not going to turn into a ruddy road, and all you're trying to do is improve your contact point on that dump. right? And when you're on a road, your focus should be similar, um, not quite as defined as it is on a treadmill, but better, right? So you could potentially go back and forth from a treadmill to a road and have really good result if your focus is to compete on the road, but um, it's not quite the same going on a trail. So that's my take.
0: All right. Awesome. And then uh, kind of vice versa, if you're only because I know for me, I came from the trails to now I'm running a lot more roads because my form was terrible, just like you said. So now we're focusing that a simplified version. Uh, but what about for people who just run roads or just run treadmills? What could they be missing out on? Like, what are some things that they it might be beneficial for them to kind of graduate, get some trail running in or like, are, are there any body imbalances things that they're missing out on by just running flat and straight all the time
1: Uh, you know i don't think so Okay. I really do. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking it through and I don't think so. And while I'm thinking it through, I'm thinking cool. of all these ridiculous analogies that I might come up with. Right?
0: Uh, <laughs> you have an analogy rolled down. Yeah, I
1: know, I'm trying to simplify things. You know, I'm out here in the South. We try to make things real simple.
0: <laughs>
1: I love analogies. <laughs> no, <laughs> but amazing. I mean like um, drag racing. You know, it's a quarter mile, it's straight, you're locked into this crazy machine, and all you wanna do is slam on that accelerator and hold on tight, straight line, right? Uh, it would not be an advantage for you as a, uh, a dragster to get on, you know, a track like Road Atlanta and tr- try to navigate that track and take the turns and, you know, find how, how you should approach the apex of the turn, accelerate in or out. I mean, th- those technical components of that type of racing has zero to do with drag racing. <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing. I mean, if you're a road racer, you're not going to really draw much benefit from, from trail. Um, mm. It's more complex. Uh, do you need that? I don't think you do. For a road racer, you, you want one thing. You want to make sure you hit that sweet spot and you push that sucker in a straight line. You know, Rarely do you have these real sharp turns or whatever. Uh, and if you do, I mean, if you're on a closed circuit uh, or like a track, you know, best thing to do be run on that track. Get used to dealing with those turns. Um, mm-hmm. And I have, you know, I watch the analytics of clients I work with when they're running on a track. And I see the, the change in cost of work when they come in do a turn, come out of the turn, things like this, and we start to think in terms of how to best navigate the effort to get the the shortest time frame for the given distance we're trying to improve, right? And so I've seen that, and so this again is another technique thing when you're dealing with those turns. But the surface is not going to change, right? Like you don't have to worry about what your feet are doing because they're going to be constantly hitting the same surface every step you take. Just drive it, right? So, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I just don't. I okay. do. By the way, I do know people that, that love to go out on the trail and love to run on the road. And and you know, mind you, there are people that will get away with it. There there are people out there mm-hmm. that find a way to get through it. They condition their bodies well enough that they're more tolerable to the things that they do to themselves. But often you'll find the people that are injured and they just don't understand why. They can't seem to figure out why I keep getting hurt and they never associate that that mixed bag of training that they're doing with the outcome which was a result of an injury, right?
0: So. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I was kind of someone who would switch between roads and trails, and I not, i wasn't injured. I don't get injured very easily, but I would get all sorts of kind of just leg pain and weirdness all the time. So, like, my calves might hurt, my hamstrings might hurt, my paws might hurt, my knee might hurt, my whatever, Achilles, and you'd just be kind of like all over the place, and I would never really know why <laughs> until I started doing my research, working with you, and learning about, oh, well, it could be because I'm running up hills, I'm not doing this correctly, and I'm doing all these wonky things.
1: Well, well, pain is a sign that some Something is going bad. Something you're doing is not what it should be. And, you know, addressing the problem early on is wise, right? Some people will just like, oh, you know, it hurts when I get out this far, and then it seems to go away after a little while, and then they just kind of blow it off, and then the next time they come out, uh, maybe addre- you know, they got to address it again, or it could be that it's exacerbating, it's starting to get a little worse, maybe I need to go home early because the pain is just now untenable, I can't deal with it but they don't ever look at the cause and effect and what they need to change in order to get out of that that pain cycle. So, um, you know, the concept of, you know, the the focus of this conversation was, you know, the trail versus road and what have you, what the benefits might be. But to me, this is just another challenge and how you meet that challenge effectively in order for it to be an asset rather than a liability. And uh, it comes down to that in in all aspects of training. So uh, I see people that get in way over their head with training. Uh, or competitions I should say They're not, I wish they'd get in over their head with the training they never do they ask the body to do things that just their body is not prepared to do and it always ends badly you know you might, you might come through an event unscathed the first time but the second time when you really try to you know, bone up and make it even more challenging boom straw breaks the camel's back and uh, I, I see this all the time and it just annoys the crap out of me as a coach it's like you have no business doing what you're trying to do They have no business. I mean, you get one body, you you get one, you get two legs, you get two feet, arms, whatever, and you don't want to give any of that stuff up. You want to carry that stuff, that those toys with you through life. You don't want to sacrifice them to some ridiculous concept that you you are embracing to show everybody how badass you are, right? Uh, and I believe me, I, I'm always, I'm always telling people, be careful. Make sure that you're ready for what you're doing. If you're gonna take on a big event, you gotta train for it. Don't make it, yes, don't make it two days away, right? Oh, Bob called me and said, hey, look, I'm gonna run this ultra marathon in two days you want to come sure yeah let's go i've run 15 miles last week maybe i'm ready you know and that was a big week for me right bad move bad move. yep anyway uh is there anything else that we can bore people with
0: yes yeah i have a couple questions so uh da, 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 da. yeah so basically what we've talked about we've gone over the road versus trail what you might be missing out on um one i just had a couple notes so one if you're just running trails you could be creating bad habits not correcting the like imbalances and your run form and then two uh kind of you would mentioned this too is like hard to quantify and focus an individual improvement because it's not a controlled environment. That was something I typed up Or Not a controlled environment. That was pretty cool. Anyway, um, so <clears throat> this question is for people who've never run trails before but really want to and they don't really know how to start and they might be scared. Oh, I'm going to sprain my ankle. I don't really know what the shoes to wear. I don't know what to do. How can you get prepared for trail running? You've already kind of talked about this of like starting small, and getting bigger. Um, if, you, if you've been a road runner for a while and now you just want to get into some trails, what are some good things to start? Maybe doing start doing some ankle stabilization exercise do some well, lifting to help strengthen certain things. Anything?
1: Well, I think the the first thing you want to do uh, as you approach this new surface is take it slow and don't ask too much of yourself. And so, for example, let's say you're a seasoned road runner and it's not you use the, the, the concept of 50 miles a week. I'll just stick with that. And then you decide that you know again that that guy Bob calls you up and says, Hey, dude, I'm going to run on the trail. You know, it's like okay, let's do that. If Bob's been doing that forever and he's gonna plan to run 20 miles, don't go with him. Maybe, you know, set up some runs that you get a chance to. No pressure, you know, not trying to compete, just get out there and feel it. Adapt to the surfaces, find your way through it. And, you know, sure, I mean, you can do a lot of stabilization exercise, things like that, and that that might help you to some degree, but there's nothing like specificity. Right, getting out there and just feeling the surfaces and the circumstances that you intend to face. Get out there and taste it, you know. Just don't just don't overeat it, you know. Take taste it. Don't overeat it. Get out there and play with it a little <laughs> bit. Seriously. Get out there and figure it out, you know? okay. <laughs> That's my take. I like it.
0: It's not Thanksgiving dinner. It's it's a midday <laughs> snack,
1: you know. <laughs> it's not soup to a buffet place yeah. you just can't stop exactly. putting the next thing on your plate. Ooh, they they got macaroni <laughs> and cheese too? Oh man. You know? Mm. And potato salad. I love you
0: in Tennessee now. Do, do they do? Do they do grits in Tennessee? It's they like a do. southernish thing, isn't it? They do, they do. No, grits or
1: thing. No, since you brought it up, okay. Just let me. Show you. <laughs> DJ and I went to town. This little town, a totally sweet little town. Um, twice for breakfast, we went to the same place both times. I think it's called Puckett's. Is what it's called quaint little country joint, you know, every place has got a stage, you know, because there's going to be live music in there. Like a
0: music? Oh, okay. No, not, not, not,
1: <laughs> not at breakfast, there wasn't, but, but I assure you that on the weekend, there was music. And in the afternoon or evening, there's music, live music. And there's live music everywhere <laughs> because these these musicians are hoping to get famous and they work for tips, all right? So there's always music. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, um, Vijay ordered Eggs Benedict. Eggs Benedict was like eggs, however you want them, on a biscuit with gravy and a fried chicken. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: so there was a big chunk of fried chicken, on top the eggs, on top the the uh the biscuit with gravy all over it. In a skillet.
0: So they don't even bother with the hollandaise sauce. No, no, it's just no, no, gravy no,
1: no. no. <laughs> biscuit sauce, baby. So and it was in a little skillet, right? So, he, I got my breakfast it was normal breakfast, you know, eggs over blah blah. And he's got the skillet, you know, and uh he you know he mowed through it the first day and I. Next day we went to the same place. I said, "So what are you gonna have?" He goes, "I'm gonna have the same thing because <laughs> that was really
0: yeah. cool. So, nice. but, but yeah,
1: you're, you're definitely gonna get oh, off of grits. That's definitely gonna happen. So,
0: yeah. so yeah. maybe start with a small bowl of grits, not the big VJ skillet plate. You know, for trail running, that's your visual image. So, I
1: don't think grits are VJ. <laughs> All right,
0: you know, I don't even know what grits are. I thought they were like an oatmeal, aren't they? It's cornmeal. It's just cornmeal but it's like cooked like a like a like an oatmeal almost right like it's a hot
1: yeah, yeah, porridge like. thing It's good good grits are good
0: I like grits Matt said he wants to get some but I don't know Come if i ever them
1: Come on down. I'll hook right up. we we'll
0: go, yeah, yeah, yeah. go down the <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. So the last one that I really wanted to talk about—well, two actually. One, you are all about cadence and the 180 and the rhythm and that, the form and the proper uh, foot turnover. Is that going to be the same for trails, or is it going to vary slightly?
1: I would like to see people land well. Landing well usually indicates that if you're at a frequency of about 180 strides per minute, your foot's going to come closer to your body when you make ground contact. I don't say, well, you're on the trail, land on your heels. Well, you're on the trail, go ahead and overstride. Those are mistakes. And so what we don't want to do is make mistakes, regardless of where we might be putting ourselves. Now, the circumstances change a little bit on severe downhills. And I find that going downhill, if you're capable of more cadence, fine. Um, If you're trying to slow down maybe a little slower cadence would, would work, um, but ideally, what you don't want to do, and it's really hard on a downhill, is you want to limit the amount of overstriding you do because you got to appreciate on a downhill, you're going to overstride to try, try to put the brakes on, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not good for your body. It's not. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to manage the downhills as effectively as possible. And this is like food for another conversation, but... Um, there's a reason why I, I adhere to this 180 strides per minute. It's because it puts your foot in the right place most often for you to land well. And landing well is key. It, is, it, it trumps everything else from a standpoint of what to do. Where your foot makes contact with your every step you take is principally the most important thing you can, can think about. And why don't you just kind of put you there? Now, you know this because you've been at clinics with me where uh, I've had people do this. I want you to run up the hill. And I'm going to have this metronome going on this loudspeaker so you can hear it. And I want you to go up the hill the way you do and come down the way you do. And then I want you to go up the hill again. And I want you, same hill, same circumstance, I want you to do it at 180 strides per minute. And I may have 20 people or so at a time that are doing this. And then I will ask them, how did it feel? Was it easier, more effective? How did it go? Nine out of 10 times, most people will tell me, that they found they were in better control, was able to manage their energy more effectively, and um, get up the hill more, more effectively across the board at 180 strides per minute. Not necessarily on the way down. On the way down, you know, it's kind of all all bets are off, but you do want to try to still keep your foot close to your body. So you just have to learn it, okay? That's what it boils down to. And then it comes down to integrity. So you start talking about, you know, training for stability and all this kind of stuff. This is where it gets real tricky and important, um, is just really having integrity from the ground up because you're throwing yourself in the air, and now you have gravity at your back pushing you into the hill. And so there's a lot of impact force that's gonna come of that. And so you need have good integrity. So you know that I've got this workout called peg leg, and I remember, I know you remember how, how heinous that is to go up a mountain on one leg at a time. Yep. Yeah. And you could always tell who's gonna do well on, on downhills by how effectively they can go up the hill on one leg <coughs> because it's all about integrity.
0: That is actually, that was an interesting workout. Try that if you're, yeah, that's a good one to try. Basically, just do little bunny hops up a hill on one leg. They have to be bunny hops because you're on one leg and you can't really do big jumps. And then go down the hill, and that's insanely hard. But yeah, interesting. Okay, well, cool. So that kind of answered the question about the cadence. Yeah, it might be a tiny bit different. Really, the focus should be on connecting with the ground properly. Yeah, like if when I remember, we also, another thing we did at your clinic was uh, the gulch or whatever, full of all these rocks pebbled all throughout. And I think that's what a lot of people think of trail running is, oh, it's it's just gonna to be tons of rocks piled all over the place. I'm gonna to have to pick my way through. How could I do that at 180? Obviously you might not be doing that at 180, but at that point you're almost, almost not even running on some of those. You're more just kind of picking your way through anyway. So that's kind of a, a different situation. So yes, all trails are gonna, might have a little bit of that, but the whole trail is not like that. Anyway, okay. Uh, yeah, last thing I wanna talk about was uh, hills, specifically the uphills. We were just talking about the downhills, um, how to have proper form running uphill. I know foot placement is going to be the most key, but also for your body, because I know a lot of times it can be tempting to bend over when we're running uphill. So just kind of talking about what what it should look like to run uphill, because I know that's something we run into a lot, running trails.
1: Well, um, I like to see the hips under the shoulders, and uh, that's hard to do. That means that you've got to really be generating good power out of your legs as you're climbing. And you know what happens in a lot of these OCR events where the the, the mountains get very steep, uh, it it it's, you get res- uh, you end up in a power hike, right? So mm-hmm. hands on knees, punching your you know punching your way up the mountain, one one knee push at a time, and. Uh, Clearly, you're not going to have, well, no, your shoulders are going to be over your knees at that point. (laughs) Your shoulders are not (laughs) going to be over your hips. So um, ideally, if you're strong enough, being a little bit more erect is going to open up your hip flexors. Uh, It's going to to release some of the inhibition from your hip, hip flexors so you can actually get more purchase as you're pushing off the ground. It just depends on really how steep it is, you know? Um, yeah, so.
0: Is there a point where it's so steep that it is okay to bend over like that? Because I always thought you, like, never bend over. Like, you always stay up tall. Well,
1: so, so if when we're done with this podcast, what I want you to do is stand straight up and pull your knee up towards your chest and then I want you to bend way over and then pull your knee up your chest. You're gonna feel the resistance from your hip flexors that is gonna inhibit your potential to get that knee up, right? So let's change it and put that incline in your face and you'll see you're kinda stuck. And this is why these guys don't just bend over and climb the hill. They're actually Mm -hmm. physically pushing down on their knees with their hands to to get their legs to get up the hill. And Mm -hmm. so form is out the window at that point. It's just a function of, let me see if I can drive my my feet into the ground with my hands or in concert Mm -hmm. with my hands. And so I don't think that there's ever a time where just bending over to run up a hill, is a, an advantage to you. I don't see that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, because it's funny, because like I do some stair climber workouts to train for the steep stuff sometimes. And every time I see someone in the stair climber, it's always hands in the rails, bending over, doing like this. And I, I like totally bent over, climbing up it. And I'm always like, what? Like, what are you even? Like, that seems like a
1: horrible <laughs> idea to me. I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. And then taking a step so, from the stair master, you know, the stair masters the, the steps with the chain, I do you know,
0: They don't move with you and then i see
1: people like take all their weight off their legs you know lock up their their, their yeah. traps and put their hands on the rails and move their feet really fast right they're yeah. not doing any leg work anymore they're just they're just trying to I'm minimize like, they're just trying to minimize yeah. the, the work as best they can and it's stupid, are they
0: getting right? anything out of that like why not just turn it down like why not just go
1: slower like what like people are scary? silly people in gym are silly you know i've That's i've nice. owned health yeah. clubs for 15 16 years and i've seen the craziest things that happen <laughs> in the gym technique wise um, that just it's just fun to watch sometimes and share it with your friends when, after you've seen it you know hey dude you can't believe what i saw this guy doing in the gym yesterday you've heard those conversations <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's one of them that's one of them yeah so.
0: well cool all right so yeah so if you're climbing up hills try to stay upright focus on bringing that knee up and don't bend over unless you're pushing off your legs in a race and you're trying to go as fast as you can There we go. And I think that stride length and cadence thing, like you had just said, it reminds me of like one of the, I think it was was the very first Spartan race I ever did. It was the San Jose one. And they had this long sandbag carry up this hill, this steep hill and down. And back in the beginning, when I first started Spartan, I would do like the men's obstacles because I thought it was so cool. And I was like, oh yeah. So I was doing the men's sandbag, going up the hill. And like, I was taking tiny little steps, like going for it. And I was able to make it. And there were tons of guys who were like, oh, like falling over, like couldn't do it. And I'm like, what? Like you're obviously a lot stronger than me. like what's going on. And then I saw some guys doing it. And they're all like big, huge steps, like almost lunging up the hill, because they're trying to get as much like uh, length as they can with each step. And I'm like, Oh, like, they're basically lunging with the sandbag up the hill, like, no wonder they're killing themselves. And that just kind of reminds me of what you were saying of quick cadence, get little tiny steps going up the hill, it's a lot less taxing on your body, it might feel harder at first, because you're taking more <laughs> steps. But it really, it really pays off. I'd say that that makes a huge difference. That's one where you notice that 180 a lot is up hills it, it
1: pays off. <laughs> well I'll tell you let's 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 put a person on it. Uh Rhea Coble. If you want to see something mm-hmm. interesting, watch the big bear race, this past big bear race. ria was there and on the steep parts of the hill, her stride like couldn't couldn't have been greater than six inches. Uh, But she never once had to put her hand, ah, maybe she did once, put her hands on her knees, and she was boop, 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 and just chipping away at at that mouth, and passing these guys. And these guys were just struggling and, you know, pushing their knees with their hands, and she was just biting away at it six inches at a time, kept her feet beneath her, kept her posture upright, and just chipped away. And it works for her, you know? She likes to go long. She's effective if she goes, the longer it is, the better for her, right? And she's managed her energy expense by these little moves that she's learned to, to adopt. And, uh, you know, you, some guys, just not, they're just not trained. They've not been exposed to those, those type of circumstances enough to come up with a, a solution, right? And uh, another great example is VJ in Vermont when he did the, the 15K course. As soon as that thing got steep, he had never put any energy into power climbing, he just runs, and when he can't run, yeah. he walks. And he got stuck where these, he was leading the race, way ahead of everybody, and got to that steep part of the mountain and just shit the bed. It's just like terrible. And he and he was the first He's one to crazy. see. He goes, "As soon as I figured out that I didn't know how to power climb, um, uh, the race was over for me." I mean, over meaning it wasn't. Win. Anyway, yeah. so, it was just so steep, like it's just so crazy oh, steep yeah, it there. Oh yeah, crazy steep, yeah. Yeah, and you know a lot of work beforehand, a lot of climbing and running and whatever, and he was he was winning. You know, he just yeah. won the, the you know the day before just won the the short course world championship and was trying to get the second one. And I thought he was gonna. I was in the gondola right over top of him as I was going up the mountain, and I saw him just like what the hell. And then and then started noticing the guys were way behind him, started making their way up past him. I think he ended up like uh, fifth place or something like that. I forget, but that's that sucked and that was the only reason yeah. that's the only reason that he didn't win was he, he just didn't know how to deal with that steep of a mountain uh, and what to do once you face it so anywho what yeah. else we got we got anything else anywho.
0: no that was really everything i wanted to go over um yeah i mean shoes but we already talked about that i mean it's funny, a lot of times I can just wear my road shoes in the trails just because, I mean, if you, California trails, I mean, they're all pretty hard packed, so it's pretty easy for that. Um, but yeah, I think it's counterintuitive for shoes because, yeah, people, like you were saying, a lot of times want to protect their feet, go with the bulky. But if you really want to protect yourself, the real runners, like I've been here like Bracken and Kirk and them talk, when they go onto trails, they go less cushion, they go more minimal when they might not, not usually on a road because they want to protect themselves and they don't want to twist and they know how easy it is to twist that ankle and do stuff like that when you're wearing built-up shoes. So that was kind of my takeaway, well, right. uh, which
1: is always funny for me. On that note, A, yeah. you know, uh, hey, love those guys, good guys. Both of them have got jacked up. Knees, plantar fasciitis, right? And, oh, I don't understand it. I don't, and I, I saw Bracken the other day, and I saw the shoes he was wearing. Yeah. I, I didn't say anything. He's pro- he, he probably won't listen to this. But if he does, I was looking at his shoes, and I'm going, eh, huh? yeah, just had knee surgery, did you? Yeah, that's fun- funny how that works. Yeah.
0: Go after him, Bracken, not me. He said yeah. it. I'm just saying.
1: Love you, dude, but uh, no. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. you're just not ready to learn it, you know? That's what it boils down to. Anyway, so um, I'm assuming we're shutting this down.
0: I think we're shutting this down. That's really, we covered everything I wanted to talk about.
1: Let me do a shameless plug before we go. Okay. A, I'm starting to see clients already here in Franklin, Tennessee. If you're watching and you're interested in spending a little time with me, you can visit my website, which is diazhumanperformance.com. Let me see if I can find it. Is it in there? I don't want to take all day trying to find it. Let's just see.
0: There you are. Oh, hey, it yeah, just glitched out. I see it now. Do
1: you?
0: Ooh, and Diaz's performance just popped up.
1: All right. So let me. Might have to move you know, the this frame. Is or... Stupid, but I'm doing it anyway.
0: Do it, do it, do it. Uh,
1: two, like that. There we go. classic. Gotta put it on top. So there it is. Oops. So good. Okay.
0: I like how you have it like scroll across the screen like I that. I know it was
1: all cool until it wasn't. It was
0: snazzy. Oh look
1: at that. Alright, so then though there's 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 the website right there. Quick. Just I hope you saw it. <laughs> And you can get a hold of me you and we can spend some time. I'm gonna be in Jacksonville, Florida, doing a clinic January seventh through that weekend. And then um, I'm fixing on fixing on doing some more clinics in two thousand twenty two. If you have interest in hosting a clinic. Same thing. All you do is reach out to me and we can talk about it. But uh, other than that, um, thank you for putting up with me. And thank you so much for uh, Leah being here with me. You know, we're not as close to each other as we used to be, but we are definitely in contact. <laughs> you got to come out here and get on. some grit. <laughs>
0: I know. I want to. Now that I'm pretty much done building my house, <laughs> I'm ready to travel. Go do some fun yeah, things. Well, we're
1: gonna, <laughs> once we get set up here, we'll will uh, we'll certainly get you guys out here. We'll be so fun. We'll we'll have fun. Anyway, let's shut this bad boy down. Thank you so much, Leah.
0: All right. Thanks for uh- sure. Talk to you later.